Welcome into the run home on your Monday Arvo. Thanks to Mick Delivery. What's coming up on your run home? Right here on our Macca's menu. Well, what a show we've got. We've got headlines coming out. Our, well, where they come out of? Because, geez, it's been a big weekend of sport. We've got Paul Malati from the TAB. We've got our Goldies, obviously, the world's most prestigious rugby awards continuing throughout what was an amazing round of Super Rugby. We've got the legend, Stacey Jones. Yes, the one and only, the greatest warrior of all time coming up later in the show. We've got Andrew Mulligan, the voice of basketball and all things in this country. Pretty much my favourite media personnel in this country, I'd say, outside of Jacob Scott and uh, Kez, of course. What about Curse? Oh, we'll get back to Curse. And... Another wonderful interview we've got coming up. Probably the most dramatic and biggest upset in the history of rugby. Well, not quite the history of rugby, but I tell you what, in Super Rugby, it's tough to think of too much bigger. The Drua beat the six-time carryover champions, the Crusaders, in the weekend. And we've got their head coach, my old kicking coach, Mickey Byrne, coming up a bit after five. Stay tuned for that. He's excited to talk about what was an historic, historic day. So that and so much more. We're going to need your Texas all show telling us what you enjoyed most about this weekend of sport because jeepers, it was full. That's your Macca's menu today. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Mick Delivery. Mick Delivery delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Now I'll address the elephant in the room, people. If that wasn't the smoothest intro you've ever heard on the run home, I don't know what is. And you're wondering why why we don't hear this more often. Well, it's because Kirst is usually with us. Uh, but Kirst, uh, as she often does, rings in at 5 to 4 and says she's hungover and therefore can't make the show. So after ringing everyone in New Zealand, and I mean absolutely everyone in New Zealand, uh, the powers that be have given me the keys and have allowed my two amigos, Jake and Kez, to come along. <laughs> And try and keep this thing on the road. Good time to bring them in. Kez and Jacob, how are we thinking? How are we feeling about this afternoon? Couldn't be better, Beef. Um, I've been <laughs> waiting for this moment all my life. Um, I'm, I'm so thankful to be here. I'm sorry to hear about Curse, but, you know, uh, people fall and other people f- climb up, if you know what I mean. So I'm on, I'm on my way to the top. Beef, this is your chance uh, to silence that one texter who said that Beaver fella should go to broadcasting school. We know that you've got what it takes. I mean, getting the Macca's menu out straight away. I mean, you're ticking all the boxes, Beaver. We're looking forward to it. Oh, look, uh, I'm glad you brought that one texter up because by the end of today's show, he's probably got a band of about 500 uh, joining the party. But uh, we'll see how we go. I'm looking forward to it. How can you not be looking forward to it, eh, boys? What a weekend of sport. Where do you start? Where do you start? Oh, I mean, when you think about Super Rugby, for example, uh, Chiefs further cemented their spot. Hurricanes and the Blues fought out a pretty, pretty ding-dong sort of game. First cliche, that's after 10 minutes. Uh, but you'd have to say, you know, the Hurricanes didn't do anything uh, that suggested that they're not tracking in the right direction. They'll rue if... Real sloppy first half, and I, and I saw that Coach Holland was uh, very, very frustrated by the amount of penalties they, they gave away, but certainly they're going to be in this competition. And then, as we mentioned at the top, 
the greatest result that could have happened for this competition and I guess anyone that decided to put the drawer in. The drawer. Could you believe that when that result started to eke through, boys? The drawer beat the Crusaders. This is not just a run-of-the-mill Crusaders team. This is a Crusaders team that's won the last six, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was it was quite a quiet build-up. I mean, I think there was the the early thought that the Drua could somehow pip this Crusaders team, but you're right, Beef. I mean, they haven't had the best start to the season, but this is the Crusaders we're talking about, the dominant force across Super over the last four years. But how good is what Drua's doing, for, especially for New Zealand rugby? I mean, telling the teams, you really need to lift here. Uh, when they did it, and, and the the moment in Fiji, I mean, it's one of those ones like the the Black Ferns World Cup final. You just you wanted to be there, didn't you, Beef? Oh, absolutely. And how good is it seeing Super Rugby games with packed crowds? And I guarantee you, if there won't be a game come out of Fiji this year that doesn't have that sort of looking stadium, and it's only going to get bigger now. Uh, all these New Zealand teams that were going over there, thinking this is the one in five weeks opportunity to rest some boys, we. We thought about it, we mooted it a little bit, that we thought if things go over Drew's way, is that Crusaders team that they named was just a fraction young, a fraction inexperienced to be able to deal with it. And, you know, at the end of the day, they got caught playing a bit of a... They got, they got trapped playing a dry weather, hot, sunny afternoon in the Pacific Islands, playing a little bit of uncrusader football, I'd suggest. And in the end... The trap that the drawer laid down, they fell right into it. And uh, I guess they talk about experience and whether, you know, what value that holds. You know, there's a few all-black forwards who apparently are only in there because of their all-black experience. Well, I think if you want a lesson on experience and what it can actually hold you, then I think the drawer getting up over Crusaders who decided to leave a few of their big boys at home is another another feather in the cap of experience and uh, the merit of it. But there's so much more happening around. Obviously, we are still in the midst of a cricket test match. They've just got back out on the field. They're, they're 45 for one. Doesn't look like they're putting the foot down just yet, but who knows? Uh, we love a dramatic final day on the run home when it comes to test cricket in the last couple of weeks. So who knows? There might be another twist in this tale, boys. Yeah, I think so. And I just heard um, Craig McMillan on the uh, on the call there for Spark Sport that he feels there's a result in this game. And uh, obviously Russell Arnold, the uh, great Sri Lankan man, uh, he is thinks it's obviously going to go the Sri Lankan's way. Um, personally, I mean, I think it's going to peter out to a draw. But <laughs> but the way that Test Cricket's been going, Beef, um, there there could be a result in this. Two thirty six to go is uh, it's definitely gettable. Yeah, well, it's. Unlike you to be so uh, negative there, Jacob, and say that it's going to be a draw. Um, the reason, I guess, we're in such a position now, uh, Blair Tickner, uh, four wickets. And I guess one of his first real major contributions in Test cricket for the Black Caps. So how good was it to uh, get a bit of, hear a few thoughts from uh, Big Blair after his four-wicket haul yesterday? Yeah, it's um, obviously a dream to play Test cricket for New Zealand and to do something like that to put us in a position to hopefully win tomorrow, um, it's yeah, pretty awesome, uh, especially yeah, being the top three. Um, to be honest, I just wanted wanted to get wickets for the team. Obviously, Tim and um, Matt did a great job in the first innings and I just yeah, wanted to push forward and obviously losing wags um, yesterday, it was, it was always going to be tough, so we had to take wickets, otherwise we're yeah, going to be bowling a lot of overs. Is Blair Tickner after his four wickets. Now, he alluded to Neil Wagner's injury. Neil Wagner's now out for the rest of the Test Series. 
a scan revealed a bulging disc in his back and a torn hamstring. He'll be out for six weeks, bowled through pain on day three. I can't get my head around this. Like, the bulge discs are things that I guess a lot of people do have and don't really know about them until they go and get the scans and, and what have you. So you, you sort of understand that. But bowling on a torn hamstring, uh, you two, I know, would have both come off very long run-ups. Or Jacob, I know you were very much a Daniel Vittori look-alike. I don't know if you you took as much time in your bowling action as uh, the great Daniel Vittori. But bowling fast in test matches with a torn hamstring, I don't know how it's humanly possible. No, the amount of overs that he would have got through on day three... And he he just thought, oh, you know, I've just got a tight hammy. Not sure what's not sure what's wrong with it. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, what a battler! He's a legend, and he's and he's going on going on forties on the on the um, upper side of thirty. You know, to think that someone's doing that at that age. I mean, Beaver, get out there and uh, sign that Super <laughs> Rugby contract or the NBC contract. Could you have kicked for eighty minutes, Beef, on a on a torn hammy? <laughs> Do you have that could Neil you, Wagner could, uh, concrete pill up your up your sleeve? Yeah, could could you have played an eighty minute Super Rugby game with a stub toe? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I could have played eighty minutes Super Rugby with a broken nail, mate. Never know. A broken nail. Toe. Yeah, oh, I, don't know. I don't know. There's there's levels to levels to this game, Beef, and I think Neil <laughs> Wagner's eclipsed yours by yes. by quite some. But yeah, what a legend! Oh, phenomenal, and uh, be good to get him on at some stage to to talk for exactly uh, what a torn hamstring as opposed to what he thought was a tight hamstring. Because I've done a hamstring, and I reckon when you've done one or you do any muscle, I think you you really realise that uh, it's torn. Uh, but i tell you what has not been torn, and that's not the Breakers' season just yet, Jacob. Too right, they have, they have somehow got themselves off the canvas and now are going to chase Game 5 in a winner-take-all in Sydney. Can you believe what we are now entering? Now there's a little correlation. I don't want to answer any big-picture questions about anything that's not the game because all I want is my team to be focused for Game 5. But for Breaker Nations, this was our last home game of the year, regardless of the result. It was one of our biggest goals to put a team on the floor that the fans in New Zealand feel represents them the right way, resonates with them. The way we do things is something that they feel connected to. So I was told that this was the most people to ever come to an indoor sporting event in New Zealand. I'm humbled and grateful, and we're going to keep doing everything we can to represent them the right way. Well, they're doing that, aren't they, boys? Talk about being connected. Who's not talking breakers at the moment? Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal performance. Jacob, Kez, you guys are basketball experts here. Can you believe that they now go to game five with a chance to be the champions? Well, I think we all saw it with Modi Mayor obviously taking over from coming from bottom to the top. There's always going to be a fighting chance, right? And, and in classic New Zealand fashion, we love an underdog. We talk about Neil Wagner uh, bowling day three with a torn hemi. How about Barry Brown Jr. playing this final series with a broken hand? And uh, and given, once again, 20 points off the bench last night. But it's, it is a truly amazing thing going up against the big bullies, Sydney Kings, who have been the, the favourites over the last four seasons in the NBL and having the breakers, like I said before, come from last on the table to playing how they are now against these bullies, taking two games off them, uh, one away and one at home. I mean, it just really makes you think if they've taken all the momentum now off those Kings. It was a funny old series, isn't it? When you, when you talk about momentum, is there such a thing as momentum in a basketball final series? Because, geez, 
the momentum doesn't last long, does it, uh, Kiz? Well, it's, it all sort of depends. I mean, well, we're going to hear from Chase uh, Bruford from the Sydney Kings who had a big uproar last night. But I guess you could take the momentum in that sense. Across a five-game series, right, you, you obviously want to take game one, and that's what the Breakers did. Got the ball rolling, but like I said, the Kings, the fourth 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 year in a row, them being favourites, you can never count them out. Uh, they took they didn't take that very lightly at all. They took that personally. Game two came back. Uh, you expected the momentum to roll on there. It did. Uh, but Modi Mayor, he's really got into these breakers, and we're seeing that grit and grind style that they're playing with, bringing the physicality back against Sydney and uh, managing to take game four. So if you had to ask me who has the momentum right now, it's the breakers, and it's because of the Kings' body language and how they're acting, especially the coach, Beaver. You know, coach is carrying on like a bit of a turkey, isn't he? But we'll, we'll whip into that a bit later on. But uh, talking about momentum, is there anyone in New Zealand sport? Hey, let's not stop in New Zealand sport. Let's say world sport. With more momentum right now than Zoe Hobbs. She runs a 10.97 in a two and a half metre win. And she is, by my recollections, the fastest woman on the planet this year. Just take a listen. Away, Anang, well she got a good start but she's a bit of a loper, Hobbs has run well, Anang has got some work to do, have a look at Hobbs, Hobbs is in a hurry here, Lewis running quickly, Hobbs down to the line, 10.99! There it is, Zoe Hobbs' uh, race there yesterday, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, and uh, after it, I don't know if you boys caught this, but she went on a little bit more and she, uh, and she said it gives her a fair bit of confidence for the rest of the year and the Olympics next year. I'm pretty sure that time would have qualified me in sixth for the Tokyo final. So when you put that in context, it's pretty exciting. She's talking very positively there, boys, but I don't think she's missed either uh, because we all have heard and we all knew how disappointed a few of the athletes have been, especially our sprinting brigade, around the qualification marks that uh, the NZOC put for them. And so... I think she took a nice opportunity. It's always better to have a wee bit of a dig when you're on top and uh, and succeeding as opposed to losing and moaning. So, boys, I don't think that was an accident. Zoe Hobbs, just reminding a few people that they do not dare stop me from qualifying this time around. Nah, and using that uh, that breakers-like mentality of, of just really digging in and think. You guys think that I can't do it. Uh, NZ Athletics, well, here you go. I'll be the fastest woman on the planet. And she's just been doing it week after week. I mean, breaking your own record, how far can you really go? I mean, I think, honestly, and and Zoe Hobbs being so young as well, I think the sky's the limit, Beef. Isn't it remarkable to think we could be on the verge of having a New Zealander in these big, big events finals? Not just making it, but can you imagine a New Zealander in the 100-metre final at the Olympics? It just seems absolutely beyond belief. And uh, to think, we only had her on about a week ago, and she wasn't going to run at the Nationals a couple of weeks ago because she's just coming back from a bit of an injury and she didn't really feel up to it. So when you think about all of that and where she is right now, tough tough to fathom right now, isn't it? The So Hobbs could be on the edge of uh, something pretty impressive. Yeah, too right. I completely agree. It would be great to see her um, on, on the world stage at Paris 2024 in the 100-meter uh, women's uh, final. I couldn't agree more. But, um, Dave, I wanted to bring up with you um, that the Wellington Phoenix, yes. my, my, the greatest team, uh, the greatest footballing team in New Zealand, uh, beat Sydney FC yesterday at Eden Park in front of 10,420 people. Um, I don't know if you caught the game, Beave, but I'll tell you what, that Oscar Zavada, bloody good player. Very good player. 
What? T- tell me. I know you would have been there, Jacob, and uh, you're amongst it in the thick of it. Uh, the Garden of Eden. It's a happy hunting ground for the Phoenix, isn't it? It is. Too right. They they seem to just come away with victories, nothing but, pretty much. Um, I mean, they should play there more often. I mean, 10,000 fans at a Phoenix game is quite a, quite a feat, uh, especially after seeing, like, half-empty uh, cake tins. I hate to see it. I really want to really start a campaign uh, for New Zealand football to build a, a specialised stadium, especially around Wellington, maybe lower hut, upper hut around those areas, uh, for the Phoenix. I mean, I know they've got, they play that, at that ground in Palmerston North, but, I mean, football deserves um, a specialised stadium, I think, in New Zealand. Well, by all accounts, their new training facility for the Hurricanes is a pretty decent uh, setup. Um, surely there must be a bit of loose change from that. I mean, uh, whoever, whoever funded that must have, must have a bit. So why not just go ahead and build a stadium as well, Jacob? What are you, what are you crying out for here, mate? But uh, yeah. tell, tell me with those 10,000, how did they configure Eden Park? Did they put you all in one area or did they spread you out? No, so it was uh, the North Stand. Um, most yes. people were assigned there. Um, but if you were lucky enough to win a um, double pass last week to the game, uh, they will put put you in the uh, south stand with the friends and family of the Phoenix. Uh, so after Oscar Zavada scored, he must have had his uh, Polish mates. They were holding a flag, and he scored. He came over right to us, stood in front of us, and celebrated. Um, and to tell you what, those guys were chuffed. So they must have had some sort of connection to the great man. So obviously, traditionally the Phoenix games. At what stage do you get your kit off? Uh, <laughs> the final I've ten. Just, final ten. Yeah. So you were with. The friends and family, were you a little bit res- more reserved and left the rig uh, put well and truly covered? Because it was actually quite a balmy afternoon. Uh, yeah, it was north, a beautiful, it? Be- it was a beautiful um, late afternoon evening. And um, no, I, I did keep, I keep the, kept the uh, shirt on, um, saved everyone the, um, <laughs> the, ha- <laughs> the hassle of trying to look past me to, to look at the action. Uh, but yeah, no, the Fe- the Yellow Fever were um, in in great support yesterday. They brought a drum along and everything. It's a great atmosphere uh, down at Eden Park yesterday, and yeah, they were they were um, they were swinging their t-shirts in the final ten. They were going hard. I'm surprised security allowed them to get a drum into Eden Park. Sometimes they're a bit tight on things like that. But uh, we'll get back more from Jacob and his weekend. It's 4:22. Call anytime on the Makita phone line 0800 150 811, or give us a text. On the Temper Bedpost text machine, Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Keep the texts coming in, plenty to read after the break. And of course, give me some thoughts on the Goldies. I've got a couple from a wonderful weekend of Super Rugby. Uh, and, and all of us, actually, to be fair, depending on where you are in the world, of course. I know we've got a lot of listeners overseas, so that's why I was just alluding to the fact that it could be morning for you, uh, especially my listeners in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, but no, it is Beaver. There is no cursed. She is uh, under the weather a bit today. And I don't know if that was self-inflicted or she's caught a nasty bug. But who knows? There's plenty of Texas coming in. So you're stuck here with Beaver on the run home. And the boys, Kez and Jacob, plenty of Texas coming in, as I said. Ken's texting. Beaver, good for holding down the fort. Uh, best of the weekend has to be RTS. Brilliant again. And the Dragons, yes, of course, Ken is a long-suffering Dragons fan. And they've been ridden off from pillar to post, but they start with a win, and they're on top of the table, I see, uh, with a few other teams that were never going to be anywhere near it, apparently. And uh, obviously, too, the result of the weekend, the Drua getting up for Ken was special, too. Uh, Zay, he went to the Breakers last night, went to Spark Arena. What a 
What a night, and great to be sending it to a deciding game on Wednesday, of course. Um, Mark Stixton, uh, B of Rick Holly, 186 in the cricket test. He has 75 international centuries. Yes, that's decent, isn't it? Uh, the Bulldogs over the Storm. Yeah, Mark, I'd actually rather you didn't bring that up. Uh, it happened to uh, destroy a personal multi of mine, which I thought was an absolute lock-in. Uh, meaning it has left my account in tatters from the weekend. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, Christchurch people. Uh, there's a few Texas taking great glee uh, from the Crusaders' loss. Uh, here's one. I'm so glad the Crusaders lost. Can anyone tell me when was the last time the Mighty Saders lost three in a row? Well, they've lost two out of their first three, haven't they? It's, so the, uh, the latte drinking blues are in it, for this, in it this weekend. There you go. The Mark thinks he's going to bounce back rather quickly, the uh, the Crusaders. Uh, best part of the weekend for Craig, nothing beats the Crusaders getting their butt kicked. Go the Drua, love listening to you lads. Poor Kirst, harden up uh, from Craig and Palmer off here. Come on Kirst, I know you'll be listening on your couch, hot water bottle on hand, maybe a strong cup of tea. It's Johnny Mack with the news now, 4.30. Back in here with the run home, and it's just Beaver and Beaver and the boys. And uh, as a text has just messaged us in, make sure it's Beaver and the boys and not Beaver on the run home or rub home. Apparently, there was a bit of a gaff there some time ago, a long time ago, probably long before I went to broadcasting school there, boys. I'd say that was only uh, six months ago. Oh, was it six months ago? Was it? Yeah. I'll never okay. forget that. That was an all time <laughs> bloober. I've come, I've come back so strong in the last six months. Uh, but Mark said, how good, the drawer, toppling the Crusaders. Somebody who would have been laughing all the way to the bank when the drawer beat the Crusaders because every multi in the country probably went west is Paul Moadi. Time for a TAB live update. Bit live on your favourite sports with the TAB app today. Paulie, how's your Monday, mate? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, Beaver. Uh, and I was, uh, I was celebrating uh, <laughs> along with the Fijians. A wonderful, wonderful result for the Fijian Drua. Um, and it just it makes their addition into the competition uh, all that uh, more special now, I think. They've, they've knocked over a big, a big, big boy. Um, and to do it on home soil in front of a, a big, big crowd was just fantastic. And as you say, there were a lot of multi-punters <laughs> who weren't happy with that result. So yeah, it, it happens every now and then, Beaver. Oh, absolutely. And isn't that the brilliant thing about A, sport, but B, for this competition, it was needed, wasn't it? Because you were starting to get the feeling that it was almost a, about the big three of New Zealand sort of just progressing slowly through to the final stages, weren't you? So now we've got had that result, and who knows what's to unfold for now after. Well, exactly. Uh, and I'm just having a look at the odds for the coming uh, weekend's uh, matches, and I can see the Drua, they're outsiders, yes. uh, up against the Reds, they're $2.90 outsiders, the Reds are $1.40, uh, 
Um, in the point start, the Drua uh, plus seven and a half, so a converted try. Um, there's, had, there's been a little bit of support uh, on the Drua, probably from those punters who back them um, during that match. I think they got out to around $18 at one stage, the Drua. Um, so those punters who did jump on um, are probably just investing a little bit more this weekend just to see if they can uh, go back-to-back. But, yep, the Drua, 290 outsiders against the Reds, who are $1.40. And I guess the big one this weekend, which would be a flip of the coin for many, and is pretty much reflected in that with your odds, the Blues Crusaders, $1.85 and $1.97 the Crusaders, the longest the Crusaders have probably ever been. Yes, I, I don't remember the last time the uh, Crusaders approached the $2 mark. But, yeah, as you say, uh, $1.97 the Crusaders, the Blues, $1.85, I, I guess... Unfortunately for the Blues, Crusaders, they don't win or lose too many back-to-back, do they? Um, and they'll they'll be looking for a bit of uh, revenge. So uh, I, I can understand the bookies. Like you say, it's almost a toss of a coin. Uh, the early money, though, is with the home side, the Blues. So $1.85 has been snapped up by uh, early bird punters. They're taking it right now. They, they're thinking that the Blues are going to shorten, come in a wee bit more and the Crusaders may drift to over that $2 mark. So uh, early money says the Blues are the bet, um, but what, it's only Monday, and uh, we've got, a, we've got what, six or seven days, uh, four or five days before uh, this match kicks off. So, yeah, Blues have had some support, uh, as have the Chiefs and the Hurricanes. Now, those might be a week away, but something that's going to happen a whole lot quicker, mate, is this NBL final. The Breakers taking us to Game 5 in Sydney. Uh, they're outsiders, two bucks seventy, but uh, I'm sure the the national aspect of this is starting to get some money coming on it. Yeah, that's one that did go punter's way uh, on uh, Sunday. Uh, they backed the breakers. Uh, breakers came through for them. In the end, uh, the scoreline might suggest it was a comfortable win, but the Kings were always in it. To be fair, um, the breakers just had enough. Every time the the Kings made a charge, the breakers were able to hold them off. They got some big games from Barry Brown Jr. once again. Um, but that hasn't turned punters off. Game five, it's all on this Wednesday night over there in Sydney. Punters are snapping up the 270. They love the breakers. They love the journey that they've taken them on from last to maybe first place in a season. So 270, they're also five-and-a-half-point underdogs. That's been taken. And the punters think this is going to be a low-scoring game, under 66 uh, under 166.5 points at $1.85 is where the early money's going on that total points market for Game 5. Winner takes all, Kings or Breakers. And talking of winner take all, or maybe nobody takes anything, the cricket test, is it just going to be a draw poorly? Or are these Kiwis going to go bananas once they're uh, nice and safe? Now, uh, at, at least they're getting a wee bit of play now. Uh, the draws at a dollar twenty. That's been the most popular selection in that head-to-head market today. Uh, obviously, with the weather they've had down there in Christchurch, just haven't been able to get a full day, uh, full day's play in. Uh, what Williamson and, and Nichols out there at the moment. Um, if you think the Black Caps are going to ha- have a bit of a blast, they're four forty to win that test. The Sri Lankans now out to twenty-one dollars. Uh, the best back selection, and it has been. Um, not just today, but also late yesterday as well. The draw, a dollar twenty. Punters still taking it as we speak.
Uh, it's very good. I mean, it would be a hell of a hell of an afternoon if they decide to give it a crack there, Paulie. As always, thanks for your time, mate, and plenty of interest already in this weekend coming up. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Please gamble responsibly. R18. But Texas continue to flood in. Um, the run home of Beaver and the boys, yes, I'm, I'm across that. We're not going to uh, we're not going to make any issues here. Uh, well, we probably will make some issues. Who knows? Uh, Beaver Blues finally get a game home against the Wooden Spooners this week, and Chiefs okay. But McKenzie was rubbish. Sorry, Beaver. Cheers, Ken. Uh, oh, tough words on McKenzie. Uh, I think he's still tracking along the riders right, a ten, to be fair. But it's uh, it's fine. There's another text here. Is it just me or on AM radio, does Mr. Tickner sound a lot like Sir Richard? And does he somewhat even look a little like the young Sir Richard? Uh, great Texan. <sighs> yeah, I guess there is a bit of, uh, certainly some lookalike similarities there. Obviously, Vitash, uh, beautiful that Tickner's running at the moment. Uh, Gary, uh, I'll address this. Uh, Gary, took my kid to Commercial Bay to see you on Friday, and they were in hysterics when they knew you had stood them up. Thanks, mate. Tony, well... I apologise, uh, but whatever curse has got at the moment, uh, that might have come from me, because uh, at the end of last week, wasn't in a good state, and Jacob told me, don't you dare come and give my Phoenix whatever it is you have. I cannot have them running out into Eden Park with any sort of health or flu issues. So apologise to the kids for me, mate, and uh, we'll certainly try and catch up again on, on our next OB. There's plenty of them coming up. Time for another break. Yes, yeah, the run home of Beaver today, and the boys back in the studio. Curse, as I've already told you, is somewhat sick today, so she has thrown me completely under the team bus this afternoon, but we'll get through, don't you worry about that. Keep those texts coming in for your player of the round to nominate for our Goldies, the official most prestigious rugby award there is going around in all of the rugby world. Give us a call even on the Makita phone line, 0800 150811, or give us a text on the temper bedpost text machine. Well, this weekend, boys, obviously the whole storyline is around the drawer, but if we're going to get to our Goldie selections for the week, along with our listeners, geez, there are some decent performances. I'm thinking Hosking Satudu uh, for the Blues really stood up in a game which could have gone, in the end, could have really gone either way. And I think both teams will take enough away from that, thinking they're, they're headed in the right direction. Obviously, the Chiefs played a spirited Highlanders team on Friday afternoon, or Friday evening, I should say. But in the end, when you're watching that, there just didn't seem many points in the Landers anywhere, really. I, I felt that they could have been hammering away at times for another two hours, and they weren't going to get many more points. They... They just, at the moment, seem to be lacking that X factor. If it's not happening from Aaron Smith or one of their forwards, I don't see how we're going to get many points at the moment. But you've got to say it was a, it was a better performance from them. And as, as someone mentioned to me over the weekend, they've had the toughest start. They've had the three big boys. And now you'd like to think that they get a bit of clear air, as they say. But, boys, who stood out for you guys as far as the Super Rugby goes? Uh, just like you, I... I was watching the Chiefs game and thinking, yeah, the Highlanders, I don't know, it's a bit of a sad showing, really. Um, I mean, I hope they can turn it around, especially um, if they, well, they had All Blacks back this week, didn't they? But um, 
but yeah, like a, a bit of a sad showing. Anyway, um, for me, Sean Stevenson uh, for the Chiefs deserves a spot in the All Blacks team, especially like in the test coming up to prove himself, I think. Scored two tries after his hat-trick last week. He's um, got to be the form player of, of Super Rugby this year for me. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly, he's certainly putting in a pretty compelling case. And I would I'd love nothing more than to see the young fella get there. Obviously, got a bit of relationship with him. So, would love nothing more than to see him finally get there. It's been a long, long road. But, unfortunately, all black teams aren't picked after three weeks of the uh, Super Rugby competition. And, and I'd imagine, and I know it's, I don't know how Fozzie does it, but they certainly used to do it. They would have people in mind. And then towards the back end of the competition and the finals footy, I think that's where they really hone in on the boys who they're about to pick for the first time because I think that's when they feel that the pressure's at its highest and they can sort of evaluate from there who's going to be able to hack it. But absolutely, form player of the competition, scoring tries for fun on the end of a great great Chiefs backline at the moment and, and forward pack. I was talking to a few people over the weekend. Geez, you'd love to be behind that forward pack at the moment. They have got depth in that pack. They've got quality in that pack. And... When you look around some of the other teams who are at the moment struggling, they will need to get all their artillery back on deck to, to go toe-to-toe with them if the Chiefs stay healthy because I look at Patrick, Big Paddy's out for the Blues now and depending on how long that is, I when I first saw the Blues squad this year, I thought that would be a potential area for concern if they took any, any hits to that type five and... It'll be interesting to see how they go up against the Crusaders team who have themselves taken some hits to that type 5 area. But in Big Paddy, I think a lot of that Ford Pack's sort of grunt up front now might be come under question. As far as individual performances, for me, you mentioned Sean Stevenson. Uh, young Massey, the centre for the Drua, would have to be well and truly up there. Part of a heroic, historical day. Hoskins for two, as I mentioned. And... Uh, not the most popular vote, but it's tough to argue. I'd imagine now, uh, for a lot of our listeners um, who wanted to write the end of his career no more than six months ago, but Sam Kane, he has started this campaign phenomenally. Not surprising, uh, you don't get to that level if you're not a phenomenal rugby player, but Sam Kane is not missing a trick at the moment for the Chiefs. And Caleb Clark, I thought, was, was pretty handy on Saturday night for, for the Blues as well, boys. I, I don't know. Is anyone else in your guys' eyes? Um, Hugh Renton is uh, one that just got a text in here. Uh, stood out on a losing team from Mark. Beef, you mentioned uh, there the, the All Blacks team isn't picked uh, in those three rounds. One name, and he's a chief as well, that I thought uh, is making his way up the list to maybe be uh, Premier 9, and that's Brad Weber. I mean, look at that, just from that second half. I mean, Webby came out firing with ball in hand. He was almost uh, second in line to shoot a Stevenson there for the most dangerous on the ball, would you say? Yeah, Brad Weber is putting in a compelling case. When I say they don't pick it after round three, that was probably for newcomers. I think someone like Brad Weber, who has come out, he's proven he can play at that level anyway. But now he has come out absolutely guns blazing. Um, and I think he consciously made a point of making sure he got back to preseason early this year. He wanted to be in as good a nick as he could be knowing that he might be having to fight a bit to get into that three to go to the World Cup. So, no, Brad Weber, Kez, I think, is well and truly in the mix. If you picked an all-black team today, he'd been your test day 23, I thought. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Uh, just one thing that I was uh, I was 
racking my brain to think, but I suppose we'll find out later in the season, but you wouldn't have any insight onto whether Sean Stevenson's part of the All Blacks uh, rotation policy and he'll be he'll be missing weeks of Super Rugby? Well, if he... Uh, I couldn't 100% tell you, but if he is, uh, we'll know in the next two weeks because he won't be playing one of them, will we? Uh, we'll be something fishy, but from what I knew is no. And um, so, but I, as we asked last week, if guys are playing the house down and all of a sudden become legitimate chances to go to that World Cup, do they all of a sudden get added to that five-week rotation policy and therefore maybe in the second block of five weeks or the third block of five weeks, the All Black coaches tap a super coach on the shoulder and say, hey, he's actually right in this uh, selection frame. He needs a week off. So who knows? Somebody like that might be uh, the best test case for us to find out, Jacob. We're going to find out in a couple of weeks, certainly if he is at the moment. So much coming up. Talk Drua after 5 o'clock with their head coach, McBurn. We're talking breakers. Stay tuned. This is how Beaver sees it. Well, yes, lads. Boys of your vintage, this will probably shock you. But uh, did something for the first time on the weekend. And no, not what you're thinking there, Jacob. Uh, I went to... Well, I went to a, essentially a festival. Uh, yeah, it was a private festival, so not not your R&V sort of spectaculars. But uh, out the back of a uh, wee country block of uh, land that I know of, a uh, beautiful part of the world, a uh, good mate held his uh, 40th birthday there and ran a festival with all the trimmings. Um, and it was essentially a Burning Man scenario. You were expected to dress up, and dress up I did. Um photos may have leaked into hands that I didn't need them to be leaked into um, but all in all I see what you young crazy kids are into this uh, this festy sort of culture that's uh, got a part of you I quite enjoyed it if only I was probably 20 years younger it would, might be a steady part of my diet S-E-N-Z anything lads? Any questions? Yeah. Quick question, Beaver, before we go. <laughs> Go-to dance move at a rave, at your festi. Go-to dance move. I found myself just moving in general about five hours a whole lot earlier than I usually would. Uh, I don't know what it was about the environment. Mm. Could, could have but... been that those those glasses you were wearing and that top hat. Um, <laughs> that would have that effect on me, personally. Just a, just a bit of swaying here and there. Surprisingly, a lot of people didn't know who it was until I said good to them. Uh, thankfully. Very thankful for that.
Just gone five o'clock on your Monday afternoon. I hope it's been a good day for those who have just jumped in their car and knocking off, going home. Put the feet up. It's Beaver, and uh, I'm sorry if my voice isn't relaxing. Curse's sweet tones are uh, taking a day off herself. She's uh, managed to catch something over the weekend. Working hard, of course, she'll always tell us. Uh, so much more to come on. Big big hour ahead of us at the moment. We've got a Macca's menu that includes Mick Byrne, head coach of the Fiji and Drua, who, of course, climbed Everest in the weekend, you could say, and beat the six-time defending champions, the Canterbury Crusaders. We have got Mulls coming up soon, Andrew Mulligan, the great Sky Sport reporter and caller for the Breakers and what is going to be some Wednesday night when they travel to Sydney now for a deciding fifth game. We're taking your texts on the Temper Bedpost text machine. As far as who is your goalies nominations for the weekend, there was some one, one fantastic performance from the Blues. Hoskins to two, I thought was amazing. You've got guys playing the house down for the Chiefs. Sean Stevenson, obviously, jumping off the page as far as tries. Young Massey, the centre for the Drua, put in a five-star performance himself. So plenty to nominate there. Keep them coming in on the Temper text line. That is your Macca's menu for the next hour. We've got Stacey Jones coming up too later in the show. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Mick Delivery. Mick Delivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Yeah, no, Beef, um, well, as we get Mick Byrne up, uh, I was just wondering, um, there's been, it's been a massive weekend of press conferences um, here and there, especially uh, Chase Buford. Uh, we re- referred to it earlier in the show, and I'll just play a clip for you real quick um, of Chase's press conference. Or Matt Walsh's tad tweet, I knew exactly how tonight was going to get called, and it, it was called exactly as I planned it would. Yeah, I'm proud of the guys. Always tough to go out there and p- compete against eight. They were allowed to get away with the stuff they weren't allowed to in the first few games. Chase's physicality not part of basketball, though. Or do you think the breakers take it over there? I'm, I'm good. Thanks, man. Interesting stuff, Jacob. Yeah, so Chase, uh, Chase, was, Chase was questioned by the um, the press around around the physicality of of the game. Um, uh, I know Matt Walsh, the Breakers C, uh, CEO, I think owner, owner, um, yeah, owner. Uh, basically sent out a tweet before the game, um, ridiculing the the refereeing of the game threes uh, game three, uh, and saying it was in favour of of the Sydney Kings. And then, obviously, the New Zealand press jumped all over that and questioned the head coach of the Sydney Kings, Chase Buford, about it um, uh, after the game yesterday. And he walked out of the press conference. I know he's fa- he's famous for um, a spat, this man, Chase Buford. Um, I read a story that last last year of the NBA NBL Finals that he kicked a TV screen and made like put a hole in it, essentially. So he's an angry fella. And I was just wondering, Beav, if you had any um, press conference stories of... of um, of your playing days? Well, the the one that jumps to mind for me is uh, one that I was a part of, and um, it was just about a day or two after I'd been called back into the All Blacks for the World Cup, and I went to a press conference with Ali Williams in Sunnyville. And Ali had this thing in his head that, before we got there, um, decided that we should swap around who we answer questions for. 
So if you were to be asked a question, um, we would get someone else to answer it for you. Hence, uh, every time someone asks Sonny a question in the media uh, press conference, Ali would answer it, and then vice versa. So it was a very bizarre five or ten minutes. And you're talking the world media here. It's not just your Kiwi hacks that you know might get it, might find it funny, might just walk out. No, you had about 40 international media in this room above the uh, training ground out, out of the West Auckland uh, Trust, Trust Arena. And it went down like a lead balloon. I was just this sort of just in the corner like a little child, just hoping not to get drawn into this because, I mean, I'd just been caught in, so I don't know what was going on. But uh, it's fair to say a bit of a backlash uh, from the media towards uh, the boys. And, uh, yeah, we didn't get any internal grief about it. But, um, yeah, the, the likes of Ali and that took some heat over it. You're ready for the next game? <laughs> yeah, Ali said, um, I'll feed it definitely on the ground. <laughs> you just speak French now. <laughs> You just speak French now. You have to go through an interpreter. Ali doesn't speak French. <laughs> Ali doesn't speak at all. <laughs> Sonny, can you sort of uh, comment a little bit about um, Sunday night and I guess a, a, an unfortunate episode for you? Something you'd like to do? <laughs> we don't have much to say on that. <laughs> that frustrated you, didn't it, Jim? <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Oh, oh, big hitting. So let's let's talk about the game then, eh? As I say, boys, it was a rather awkward little, I don't know how long it went for, 10 or 15 minutes to be a part of. Um, obviously, I just let those two just go because, uh, as I say, I literally just come back into the All Black, so I didn't really need to be uh, front end any more buses. But uh, it was, that was a, probably the weirdest press conference I'd ever been a part of. Of course, our great Kiwi, Shane Van Gisenberg, winning in Australia yesterday, uh, also had a very, very dramatic press conference and uh, essentially didn't want to say anything. Okay, let's go with the Sunday press conference at the thrifty Newcastle 500. And uh, no shortage of things to talk about off the back of that one. We've got Shane Van Gisberg and our race winner today. Nicely done, Shane. And uh, alongside him, Chas Mostert and uh, Davey Reynolds. First of the press conference today, Dave. So well done to you. Uh, we'll start with the man in the middle. I might try and get the questions to the journos nice and quick today. So I'll open it up off the back of uh, directing my questions to Shane. Uh, Shane, uh, bouncing back, uh, I imagine there was a bit of disappointment with the team today. So did that yep. make today's race win even a little bit sweeter? Yeah, so basically just repeat what I said on track. Like, thanks to my team, our cars were awesome. Um, but, yeah, all our talking was done on the track today. So thank you. There was a uh, little... No, mate, it's a press conference. We've got to ask you questions. There was obviously that battle at Turn 9 between yourself and Chaz. Uh, can you talk us yeah. through it just from your point of view? All the talking was done on track today. Mate, thank come you. on. Are you serious? Yes. It's a press conference. There's a room full of journalists. We don't get you at any other point of the weekend. Yep. You've come up here to answer questions. It's not even a hard question. Okay. It's a fair question. Can okay. you talk us through the move at Turn 9? Yeah, it happened. Our talking was done on the track today. Thank you. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Would you like me to open up to the journalist now for a few more questions, Shane? 
I'm done. Same answer. Okay. Well then, if anyone else would like a uh, an opportunity to ask Shane a question, be my guest. Shane, do you think this helps your image or promotes supercars by being this obstinate with the press? Ah. Uh. I don't know, like I tried to just knuckle down and focus and then I said a lot of stuff yesterday, tried to open up a bit more and maybe it's bit me in the arse, so I just focus on driving. Oh, I just said the truth about the cars, I guess, and tried to be honest and it goes down the wrong way, so I focus That's on my driving. My world. <laughs> yeah. Where's the pressure coming from? Where, where do you feel like you're being uh, pushed? Is it from I, the I just want to or? focus on my driving, man, and that's when I do best. Ah... Uh. I thought my one was an awkward situation. Um, at least he's just... He seems to be comfortable who he is there, kids. I mean, awkward, a touch, but uh, he's sticking He's sticking to his guns. Oh, jeez, that was an awkward situation. That actually, <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, oh, this actually makes awkward radio. I mean, I felt like I was in the joint there, but <laughs> what we saw there was sort of two different awkward styles of presses. I mean, the first one, uh, that you were unfortunately tied up in Beaver I think it was uh, your influence on coming back into the team that started that uh, started that little prank favourite thing from that all black thing uh, it was Sonny Bill the ultimate professional right bringing that he's, he's always laid that foundation do you think he took it to heart I think it was Jim Kays at the end there who sort of snapped and said oh, oh I'm bringing professionalism I expect a bit from you guys too how do you think Sonny Bill would have taken that yeah old, old Jimmy Jimmy was at the time probably the the, the lead rugby reporter in the Sydney on TV was certainly him and Savile with a with a big big names going at the time. So yes, that was very awkward. But yeah, the old Giz he has not mucked around in Australia. Plenty of people been texting in about that. Obviously, caught a few people's eyes on a Sunday afternoon. He's in on time. So no, it'd be very interesting to see where that ends up or whether the bosses of his company make him talk next time round. But uh, we're going to try and get Miles on the phone, and he's probably got. A fair bit more to say about what happened there with the Sydney Kings boss and the game itself. We're headed to the decider come Wednesday. The voice of Sky and basketball in this country right up after this. It's a run home with Beaver on a Monday afternoon where he is all on his lonesome. But luckily, the intelligence of this show is about to go through the roof because we have Sky Sports commentator, voice of basketball in this country, Andrew Mulligan. Miles, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. You're sounding good going by yourself there, going solo. I love it. <laughs> mate, have you come down? I'd imagine the adrenaline would have been through the roof last night. Honestly, I felt a little bit hungover and I didn't have a drop of alcohol. <laughs> um, but I'm still buzzing, mate. That was an unreal atmosphere. Um, an unreal and one that really um, was, it needed to happen because they sold it out. And they needed to win, and they needed to win well, and they needed to reinstall faith in that breakers unit. And after what has been two pretty disappointing performances, games two and three were pretty average, to be honest, from the breakers. And uh, what they did last night was um, was just fantastic, and it just sets up this rocking game five showdown. And I guess when you look at the whole series, mate, obviously you talked about game two and three as far as not great for breakers, but the home court advantage hasn't meant a whole lot on this, so. Go to Sydney, hold no fears for the boys, you think? No, nah, because they've won twice there already. They've won game one, obviously, and then they won in the regular season, which was uh, near the end of the regular season as well. So they know what it takes. But these kind of games, these series, they're all about adjustments, uh, coaching strategies. 
seeing what works, what doesn't work, and making those necessary adjustments. And I think watching what <clears throat> excuse me Chase Buford did last night, um, he was frustrated with the fouls, and I think they got caught up in that. But he did say post game they knew that was going to happen. So he when he stormed out of that press conference um, yesterday last night after the game, that's a calculated move. I mean, yes. that's something that. Um, any, any coach worth of salt would do in that situation, knowing that they weren't even badly beaten in the foul count. He was complaining about those calls aren't going our way as well, which is a fair complaint. I have no problem with what Chase Buford was doing and what he was complaining about, because uh, it's not that the referees are consistent. It's just sometimes some players and some teams don't get the fair shake. Um, and sometimes you're the windscreen, sometimes you're the bug. <laughs> Is it a case with the Kings a little bit around that outburst? Obviously, as you said, it would have been calculated and, and, it's, and it's designed to get a result in Game 5. But is it a case of everything you hear about the Kings being the bullies? Uh, bullies don't like getting bullied? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, you see that. Xavier Cook's a lovely guy off the floor. Like You can't ask for a, um, a better role model to be your MVP for the league. But even he's getting frustrated. The breakers love to talk. Man, they love to chat. <laughs> Um, they're like it's like having Rico and Akira Yuane one through eleven on that bench. Um, they have so much chat, uh, and that gets under the skin of some uh, some teams. And when you're the defending champ, and you've got this team that's come from the bottom of the ladder last season, um, and now they're challenging and they're pushing them to this last game, that gets under their skin as well. And I, I see a lot of anti Sydney sentiment online um, in the comments on the NBL's Twitter handles on their Instagram comments as well. And I'm like, woo, this is spicy. The Aussie, the Aussie fan base wants the Breakers to win as well, which is cool, which is good to see. Absolutely. Well, before we leave uh, the MVP, Xavier Cook's uh, topic, we've got a listener, Jamie, who swears black and blue that whenever they start to lose, his knee gets sore. Uh, is this... Is this <laughs> yeah, Jamie. Is this a conspiracy, or is, is he onto something about this guy's mental ability? You know what? That is a great conspiracy, and I'm here for it. Um, whoever Jamie is, I love it. That's something that um, I haven't noticed. I haven't pinpointed, but now he's brought it up. You've raised it with me. See, Jamie is absolutely correct. Um, I think now, I think back, and I just think, yeah, just a little bit. Like he had a foul. Like he caught, he caught one on the chin in the game last night, and he reached for his knee, and I thought, oh, maybe he's injured his knee again, which was taped. And Casey was like, no, he caught one in the face. He's just adjusting the bandage. And I was like, now Jamie mentions it, you mention it. That's absolutely correct. Now, talking about, obviously, the fairy tale it could be, Tom Abercrombie, will this be his final season, or we don't even need to worry about that? I don't think we need to worry about that. And if it is, uh, what a way to go out. Uh, I don't feel like it is. He's got way more to offer, especially defensively as well. Like He has been uh, a demon on defence. The shot hasn't been dropping, but that doesn't matter when you've got a team of um, around him like that. So I don't think it will be his last season. Um, I don't think he cares too much for what his shooting percentages are like. He just wants to win, and um, he's been one of the great winners in New Zealand sport, and he's a, he's a top man off the floor as well. But if he did call time, good on him. Um, what a career, and he should be celebrating. His, uh, his number will be hanging in the rafters, no doubt. Absolutely. Now, before we let you go, we know you're a busy man at this time of night, uh, Males, but, and I imagine so much depends on tomorrow, but right now, the finals MVP, uh, which way are we looking at this? Oh, are you back? 
How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, yep, yep. He's obviously we're blowing nails away there, boys. Yeah, it seems seems like it. I'm not, I'm not sure what's happened there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do what I do here, guys. Can you make sure you keep the plugs in? Uh, hang on, we've got yeah, a back here. I might have just kicked a, <laughs> kicked a plug. Sorry about that, Dave. I can only, I can only see much here, guys. I can't do your job as well as Kirst. Uh, Males, have we got you? Yeah, sorry, mate. Everything <laughs> quiet there for a moment. Sorry, no, I'm good. in the bowels of Sky waiting to do a, a preview show for the Breakers, so I apologise that drops out. That, that's always the worst thing when you're riding solo on a show and uh, you're on talkback. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, mate, obviously so much will depend on Game 5, but as far as an MVP for the final series, uh, who of the Breakers? Obviously the guards all been contributing amazingly. Yeah, jeez, I think... If, if the breaker, it's whoever steps up in this game five is going to not necessarily skew it because the voting system is a panel of voters and they give numbers three, two, and one to the top three from uh, from the game. And Justin Simon is probably probably ahead in the MVP voting. But after last night, you know Barry Brown was big. Um, Tom Abercrombie had six steals. Brantley was big. Will McGill White was big. Um, so, yeah, it, it could easily be Justin Simon, but then if it's not, it's probably going to be Barry Brown. Um, he was great in game one. Yeah, it's tough, man, because it's not just a, who plays well in game five, let's give it to them, and it's not some sort of uh, secret voting. It's, it, come, it literally comes down to a voting class system of points allocated per game by a panel of experts. Oh, well. All and I'm not one we... of them. I'll tell you much, <laughs> well... I'm not one of them, mate. <laughs> it's disappointing. I thought we were going to get a scoop there, Males. But, mate, we appreciate your time. We will let you go. And can't wait for Wednesday. It's going to be special, isn't it? Yeah, mate. I can't wait either. I'm just looking at flights right now, actually. <laughs> get over there, mate. We need you there. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Uh, that was Andrew Mulligan of Sky Sports and Breakers Expertise. Uh, of course, this Wednesday night is Game 5 of the NBL final series between Sydney and our New Zealand Breakers. Whoever wins will be crowned champions. The coverage will begin right here at 8pm through to 12pm, which includes a 90-minute pre-match show into a 30-minute post-match show too, hopefully getting all the victorious interviews of the Breakers. Sydney Afternoon's host Jimmy Smith will be joined by former players Tom Gallup and Oscar Foreman for the duration of the coverage. It is going to be something else come Wednesday night, boys. How exciting. Oh, over the top excited. I mean, Miles, he's, he, like you said before, he's the voice of basketball, right? And I, I just had to ask him quickly while I was calling him up, mate, how are the years? Because I know what it's like uh, being in a commentary position at a sold-out indoor arena. I mean, you're literally holding the cans against your ears, trying to hear, and, and Mel said he just thought it was the effects uh, cue was turned up too high. But no, that was just the New Zealand crowd, and that just shows uh, how behind the breakers we are as a country, Beef. Oh, absolutely, and uh, we do love a winner, and uh, everyone is well and truly back on the bandwagon of this. Let's be honest, apart from the, the COVID years, an unbelievably consistent franchise. They've been the, the gold standard as far as New Zealand franchises in Australian competitions. It's the one the Phoenix and the Warriors would have to look to and see how you replicate.
Oh, and we'll sit there, Tom Abercrombie obviously being one of the greatest winners in New Zealand, yes. right? He's If he did go out on, on a Game 5 win for the Breakers, he'd go out on five titles, right? And that's something you, you, seem, you tend to forget the uh, longevity of Tom Abercrombie being there for those glory days, sticking it through uh, the few waves that we've had over those last few COVID years, finishing last last year, and now coming back to a finals MVP. Mel said, the shot's not falling, but you look at the other side of the floor. Six steals last night. That's the kind of guy that you need as your captain and as your core on a basketball court. So me personally, I hope he doesn't uh, hang it up. But uh, if he does, like Mel said, what, what a career and what a way to go. Absolutely, and for those who are interested, and we all are, the Black Caps, 124 for three. They need a further 161 runs. Minimum overs remaining tonight, 26. They've been going at fives for about the last 15 overs. It's on, people. Uh, the great Daryl Mitchell came out early doors and uh, hit a six straight off the bat, as if to say, letting you know, we're still chasing this, so... The TAB, they've taken a bit of heat of this, and they have bought the uh, Kiwis in a bit to two ninety. The draws out to a dollar thirty-five. Sri Lanka at twenty-three dollars. So if you fancy a bit of Kiwi action here, who knows? It's still on. It's now Johnny Max time with the news. Just gone 5.30 on your Monday, Arvo. Hope everyone's had a great day. We have now getting linked up to Fiji. We will get Fijian head coach Mickey Byrne of the Drua. Can't wait to talk to him about such an amazing result in the weekend. One that's really set this competition up, in my opinion. Uh, a few texts coming in on the temper bedpost text machine. Beaver, the big two. What planet are you on? The Canes have got this. Larkai, player of the round for Dave. Apologies, Dave. I, I said the Hurricanes are improving this year and are certainly on their track to be a bit of a player come the end of the year. But they'll need to do a little bit more, Dave, before we start putting them in the Chiefs or the Crusaders bracket as far as competition winners go. And uh, hey, Beaver, Mick giving my opinion and crystal ball predictions here. Crusaders won't make the semis. Chiefs lose the semis and it'll be Blues Brumbies final. I'm adamant that France will win the Rugby World Cup too. Cheers from Mick. Wow. Yeah, we'll talk about the France result in the weekend a bit later on, but I think we now might have been connected to Fiji, where it is my absolute pleasure and honour to bring in the great Mick Byrne, coach of Vadrua. Mick, how are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Mate, not bad, but, geez, I'd imagine not not as good as you. What a weekend. Yeah, it was an awesome weekend here. Um, obviously pretty passionate group of people over here in this country with their rugby and um, you know, it's been pretty exciting. It was exciting before the game but since the game that uh, a lot of people are very excited on the island for sure. I was going to say, what has the response been like from the locals? Obviously anyone that's been to Fiji or anyone that knows Fijians know just how passionate they are about their rugby and for them they don't miss a game of super rugby they the Crusaders would be like gods to them. So for their local team to go and knock them over, it must have been some response uh, since then, mate. Yeah, I think, look, mate, when I first got here, there was, uh, and this will please you no end, there's a lot of Chiefs jerseys around uh, Fiji, <laughs> but also 
Crusaders jerseys, and I'm like, I've got to turn those reds and black jerseys into some blues. So yes. I think last Saturday we might have turned some of them, but those uh, there was enough... Uh, there was one group of Crusaders supporters, Fijians, off the island, right in front of the coach's box, waving their Crusaders flags, now faces at the start of the game. I'm like, how do you sort of ask a Fijian to be nice about it? But that uh, <laughs> was good. They're very passionate about their rugby and uh, security took care of them so I could actually see the game. So it was great. <laughs> Mate, before we get on to the game, you, you mentioned about turning uh, those red and black jerseys into blue jerseys. It must be slowly starting to happen where the draw are very much part of the landscape and I guess part of the, the development for Fiji and rugby players and, and something to aspire to for the ones on the uh, on the islands? Yeah, it's been great. Look, uh, you know, we've had 10 to 12 um, development pathway players. I guess we call it an academy, but they're really in our development pathways program here for the Ndrua. Um They're still Fiji and they're still FAU. Uh, one one young guy we sent back to the 20s, he's heading to New Zealand next week to be part of that Super 20s comp um, with Fiji. The, so, yeah, there's it's uh, it's been uh, probably for a lot of the young players here now, it's it's a tangible or, or a pathway they can touch. We're in the past, you know, mate, as you well know, they've had to head off to Maris or down to Hastings or Hamilton Boys and and cut their teeth in New Zealand to, to try and make it in Super Rugby. So having it on island now is a real clear pathway and it's uh, it's really helped young young players see it a dream that's possible. Matt, getting on to this weekend and beating the Crusaders, I'd imagine a lot of it was around just creating the belief or was the belief always there that it was going to happen or was it a case of getting them in at half time and the boys realising we're in this up to our eyeballs? Uh, it's probably a little bit of both, Steve. I think uh, we spoke about belief at the beginning of the week. Um, you know, and I always think, and I've always thought that if you're actually talking about belief, you don't have it. You know what I mean? Like if you if you get to the if you say, it's a bit like talking about resilience. You know, if you've got to talk about resilience, you don't have it. So, you know, when you when you talk about belief, it's like, well, you know, we we have to start somewhere. You know, we have to believe. And, you know, I think showing some footage of of our game against Moana and against the Waratahs, you know, that last 15 minutes of the first half before we went down to 13 men, you know, coming back against Moana, um, some of the things that we're able to do, you know, we've got to believe that we can do it. And I think also the belief comes from being fit enough. You know, the, if, if you're not fit, um, no matter how much belief, you know, like if you can't do it, you know, you can't do it. And, you know, I, I, I've got belief in my golf game, but I just know I'm not going to ever be a golf professional because I can't do it. But, you know, I think if you if you know you can do it, once you know that you can play 80 minutes of footy and you're fit, I think the belief can come. And that's what we spoke about at halftime. We, we talked about belief is a word until you make it happen. And I think on Saturday they made it happen. And, and now we now we can move forward with the belief. Absolutely. Now you talk about being an 80-minute game and, and doing it for 80 minutes. It must give the boys confidence knowing that, you know, like I've seen a couple of articles where people have talked about, you know, you're going over to Fiji in the afternoon and knowing that the opposition are coming over here with their own sort of demons. And, and I guess once the boys started to get momentum and uh, that second half started to tick away on uh, Crusaders, it must be very, very nice for boys to know that they're potentially going to finish over the top of someone 
based on their, their conditioning. Yeah, and I think that the key for us was our conditioning. We started it last year and, you know, we were a mile off it and mentioned many times last year how hard we worked to get sort of about 60% right. I think we're about 80% of where we'd like to be around Super Rugby Fitness. You know, they're the standards of the best teams in the competition. You know, the the teams that have won the competition, obviously the Crusaders, but the teams that have, have gone close to them over the years have been really well-conditioned teams. And, you know, we're probably now 75 to 80% of where we'd like to be in our conditioning. And it was only, you know, the other day we, we got back from Melbourne and you get off the plane and the heat hits you as soon as you walk off the plane. You haven't even got into the <laughs> to the airport, you know, and the heat hits you and you're like, oh, that feels good. And, uh, you know, it feels good to have that, even though you live here and you feel it every day of the week, just to get off a plane after you've been, been gone for four days and feel that heat. It's a real good feeling to know that other teams are going to feel that when they get off the plane and, you know, we're home and we're ready to go. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good thing for us. Um, but we, we need to deliver on the field. The, the, you know, the heat's not going to do it. Now, 16th man, the, the crowd aren't going to do it. We have to deliver it. And I thought our, our guys stood up really well on, on Saturday in that department. Now, for you personally, Mickey, obviously uh, you would be classified in my eyes and many eyes around as uh, technically and one of, the, one of the best going around and, and obviously the technical parts of the game. So how do you enjoy coaching uh, a group of players that I dare say at times you've just got to say, just do what comes natural to you? Yeah, I think um, I struggled last year, Beef. You know me, I'm a bit anal about the <laughs> detail stuff. And, you know, like last year I was just, um, you know, the heart got tested and the, the nerves got tested and the temperament got tested quite a lot. But I think it was persevering. You know, the one thing I, I mean, you may have heard me say this before, mate, failure cannot cope with perseverance. So, you know, persevering with what we wanted to do and, and sticking with it, but just changing my mindset was probably the big thing. You know, it's just going to take a little bit more time. But the one thing I would never do is try and take or stifle, and you know this as well, mate, I'd never try and stifle what a player brings naturally to the game. And so what we've got to do is is find a way that they, you know, understand the game and play the 15 style, understand we're in, what sort of system we're in and, that's been the big learning, understanding, look, when we're in our system, when we're in our line-out, we're getting around the corner and playing. The opposition are in their system. That's the big one. The defensive system's against us. When they're set, we can't afford to go off script. But then look out when that ball hits the deck. I, I'm not even yep. talking to them about I'm not even coaching any of that stuff. I'm just saying just keep doing it. But what we need to do is understand when the ball's – when we're on script, stay on script because we're a good, aggressive – ball-carrying team, we get across the gain line and we can then set our backs alight by getting good gain line pressure. We won't get gain line pressure throwing loose offloads around while the opposition sides of defence defences are set. So that's been a big learning, but certainly I think you saw on the weekend there was um, a loose ball and I think our first try came from a, a spilled ball and you look in the background, you can see sort of 15 jerseys and if you have a good look at that footage, you'll see our 14 I think he ran the 100 in even time to try and catch up to that line break. So, you know, they 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 get excited when the ball hits the deck and want to play. So there's no coaching of that. It's just go for it. Yeah, I did say turnover ball. There wouldn't be a more devastating team going around at the moment. Now, obviously, the weekend was a wonderful result, Mickey. How do you, how do you keep the boys going now? You got the Reds this week. Was it a case of the boys showed up, I'd imagine, on Monday morning 
just not just wouldn't be able to wait till this weekend comes around. There'd be that sort of uh, excitement in the camp now, is it? Yeah, it is. I, I think it's also you know this is part of our growth is to enjoy the night Saturday night. You know, wake up Sunday feeling good about ourselves, but then understand that this is a professional competition and we've got to turn up for work. So I've got to say that, you know, when I went to bed last night, I was like, well, let's see how the boys turn up tomorrow. <laughs> um, but mate, they turned up to a T, every single one of them in here early, doing their activation, professional rugby side now. And I'm really proud of, of the way they've turned themselves around in one year. Um, and they understand what's needed and they do the work. Got great leaders coming through. You know, we've got a great coaching staff here that encourage the players to be thinking for themselves and, you know, things that they've never done before. You know, players leading players. They've always looked to coaches to be the leaders and, and we've been developing players leading players and, and that's going really well. Well, dare I say, mate, you don't have to have too many worries about recovery and showing up in good state when Carver's the drink of choice. Surely they were well hydrated uh, after Saturday night. Well, mate, as, as you know better than most people in the world, Carver's not a great hydrator. You know, it's uh, it's actually a diuretic. So, you know, when we walk in on a Monday morning, there's a litre bottle of water at the door that everyone picks up as they walk through the door. And it, and it can dangerously take you to other drinks too, the old Carver. So I do say... It's, well, that's, it, it that's the washdown is always an issue, mate. And, and you, you know that as well as anyone as well. Hey, Vic, we won't take up any more time of your day. No, mate, awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Again, massive congratulations on an historic day there in Fiji. And uh, long may these results continue, mate. Love to see you as a part of the finals this year. Oh, awesome, Dave. Thanks very much, mate. And I think the boys, you know, you talked about it earlier as a belief, and I think Saturday gave them a good chunk of that. And, you know, we just got to get knuckle down now, get this good week's prep done, travel to Brisbane and, and have a crack at the Reds and, and we can get our year going from there. Awesome, mate. Thank you, Mick. All the very best. That was Mick Byrne live out of Fiji. That was our Maccas feature interview for your Monday and so much more still to come. The run home on SNZ today. Just beef and the boys. And couldn't be in more safer hands, the J-Dog and the Kez. As J-Dog just practices his wicket-keeping. But I tell you who's not needed at the moment is a Sri Lankan wicket-keeper. Because you heard it here first, we are having a crack at this. Uh, one D Mitchell has just sent one over the rope. And we now need no more than 132 off 20 overs. Yes, my mass tells me a dash over 6 and over. And I tell you what, with 7 wickets in hand... We are going to have a crack at this. And Gazball, as was termed in the Basin Reserve victory, is about to get a second airing, where it goes after winning test matches in the last session on day five. So we'll keep you updated with all of that. But uh, wasn't it great, boys? Getting McBurn on the line, talking us through, I guess, just everything that is Fijian rugby at the moment. And the fact that they are building towards something nicely. If they can go and knock the Crusaders over, then who's to say they're not going to sneak into the finals this year? I won't say sneak into the finals. I, I, I really haven't making it this year. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, they're a, they're a dark horse team, f- f- like, for real. Um, I, I, I just wish Moana Pacifica had a similar vibe about them. I don't, I'm not sure maybe it's... I don't know, Fiji drew it to me. They just seem like a more professional team. 
you know, the, the upset of uh, the Crusaders uh, just last week. They won a few games last year as well in their debut season. Um, I think they're well up for it. And and who knows who, who what what like the dizzy heights that they can reach. I mean, the finals finals footy, I reckon for sure, is on the cards. It's, it's interesting you bring up the Moana aspect and how Moana just doesn't feel like the Fijian Drua. I guess in some ways Moana has very much got their teams once all the Kiwi teams have picked their boys. Where the Drua, uh, the Fijians, you know, the best of the best. Yeah. You know, obviously the other ones have already gone to overseas clubs, but. They are literally picking the best of the locals. Yeah, do, do Moana? Do you think Moana need to be based in a Pacific Island nation to oh, to get that sort of culture going? Like well, Mount Smart, just I get no. why they're at Mount Smart. Yes, but maybe they deserve like a like an Apia or somewhere like that um, to well, to call home. I, I think absolutely. Obviously, there's there's financial benefit, the, the commercial dollar, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, for being based out of New Zealand, and New Zealand is helping fund it. But yeah, I think there's certainly certainly merit. Obviously, it'd be a bit political because it's supposed to be a combination of all the Pacific Islands. So if you went to Apia, what does that mean for the Tongan players and et cetera, et cetera, or vice versa if it went the other way? But certainly, I think they should be splitting their home games uh, up there as opposed to maybe Mount Smart. Males, get booking your flights to Sydney. Jono has said Miles has to go to Australia to call the Breakers Game 5. Uh, Dave, in response to the Big 2 accusations, Big 3, Beaver, it's Big 3. The Hurricanes join the Crusaders and the Chiefs in Dave's eyes. And another text in, just take the Chiefs to the World Cup. Job done. There you go. It will surely wind up plenty. Well, there's so much more, including the legend. After 6 o'clock, Stacey Jones is coming on the run home. That drive to survive and a whole lot more stay with us it's beaver and the boys on your monday run home staying in to watch the sport let us cook get your macca's favorites delivered with mcdelivery kick back and relax it's time for the run home with kirsten beef In here on your Monday Arvo evening, you're with the run home and you're with Beef. Unfortunately, cursed. If you've just seen social media, I have too. Uh, she's looking for movie and TV requests on social media as she's still tucked up in bed. She's giving herself a zero out of ten. So um, I don't know where she goes if she starts feeling any worse. But thoughts and prayers with my co-host and star of the run home, Kirst Stanway, after a big weekend in Wellington, I do believe. Uh, might have got the better of her. Well, so much more coming up on the last hour of our show today on the 
Macca's menu. We have Stacey Jones, the legend of the Warriors. The greatest ever is also an assistant coach at the Warriors, so can't wait to hear his thoughts on where everything's at with our one New Zealand Warriors. Of course, we've got official media partnership with the boys out there. We've also got Drive to Survive coming up in the second part of this half hour. We're playing for $50 today. There's some wonderful questions in line. And we've still got to announce our goldies. Yes, of course, this week's five fortunate players, or deserving players, I think is the word, uh, who have managed to impress the judges here on the run home as they all charge towards their elusive title. The inaugural goldies on the run home, and we all know how much that will mean to them in their long list of accolades, these top rugby players in New Zealand. cares. Early doors. Uh, who's who's your money on to win the win the goldies? Oh, if we're talking early early doors, uh, Peter, mm. I know you said the All Blacks don't get picked in three rounds, but I think my goldies winner does. I think uh, in a World <laughs> Cup year, who would a, who else is going to have a stand up than shooter Sean yeah. Stevenson himself? The one and only. Yes, is yeah, he again. is he with hair? I call him. Is he is he with hair? I've said this before, there is striking similarities both on the field and unfortunately for Shooter off the field too. They have that long loping stride, which not necessarily means you think they're quick, but because they cover such grass in a short space of time, you just can't get to them. And uh, the great thing about me for Sean Stevenson in the weekend, where I really think his game's come, to another level is the fact he put the foot down. I don't know if you saw the try when he sliced through and, and left poor old Mitch Hunt uh, just sort of stuck in quicksand. But he has made a few breaks this year and he's looked to pass. But for me, that's a real shine of confidence. Or the fact, a sign that he just wants to score tries and get his tally up there so people are talking about how many tries he's scoring. But he didn't even look. He just said, right, I've got this guy for pace. And bang, off to the try line he went. I think that's what we're going to see a lot of. Uh, I talked before about Brad Weber with the ball and, and how exciting I thought he was over the weekend in that um, second half. It wasn't extremely close uh, first half. I, I unfortunately missed it and I tuned in uh, and they were playing the halftime coverage and I was thinking, hang on, is this a quarter time or a 10-minute break? What's, <laughs> what's sort of going on? But was that sort of promising to you, be putting your uh, Chiefs goggles away, uh, mm. the, the one-eyed goggle? Was that a sort of impressive for you seeing the Highlanders saying, no, no, we, we're here to play. Uh, we're not here to get rolled over. Yeah, I think it was. As I mentioned earlier, I think they probably lacked the Arsenal to be able to score enough points to, to beat these top Kiwi teams. But there was certainly spirit showed. I mean, you can't you can't applaud spirit too much because you sort of expect that from the Landers and you expect that from any professional rugby team or any team in general. You expect them to, to fight for it. But they certainly, after the two weeks that they had, uh, would take a lot of confidence out of the fact that they went toe-to-toe for a long time with the Chiefs. And there's a couple of times, I think, there's a scoreline of 21-7 with about 20 to go. They had a line-out where they kicked into touch, and they didn't quite nail the line-out drive. And I guess if they get that done, then it becomes 21-14, and maybe that game takes a completely, completely different look. But unfortunately for the Landers and their fans, it didn't. But they can take some solace out of the fact that they have played the three big boys so far. And I know it's going to upset Dave, but, uh, yep, the Crusaders, the Chiefs and the Blues have now been done and they can get a bit of a diet of Australian in them for the Landers, and I'm sure they will pick up plenty of wins 
along the road. Of course, Drive to Survive is coming up, so make sure you call in for that. We also, speaking of winning $50 from the TAB, we come up short again in the weekend on Beaver's Best. And I guess I got thrown a little bit. I didn't expect the Broncos to win by so much. I had a thought the Broncos would probably beat North Queensland, but we took them at a try bet where any team was to win it by under eight points. And, of course, the Broncos won by 12. I had the Warriors with a 12-and-a-half head start. That came in for us. And we had the Dolphins to upset the Canberra Raiders, but with my one of eight points or less to either team in the try bet. And, of course, our listener who nominated... The Magic versus Stars game and any team to win by one to five, which was paying quite generous, that also failed to come in. So another week goes, strangely, and uh, no Beaver's best. But this is your official call to call. After the break, we are playing Drive to Survive for $50 from our great mates at the TAB. Get in the pen, call now. She's going to be a beauty. This is Drive to Survive. This is Drive to Survive, and the boys have got real confident. They are starting to play tricks on me. They forget that I'm a novice doing this by myself. So they're saying things in my ear, and I actually don't know if that means you're hearing it in the world of listeners, or they are just they're just messing with me now. And it's after 6 o'clock, so the boys are sitting back in their chairs. Boys, are you messing with me You're now? just hearing voices, Beaver. I'm not Beaver. sure what you're talking about. Give it up, mate. We haven't been here for the last hour. Yes, you're, <laughs> seeing, you're seeing and hearing things. Yeah. Oh, maybe the festival's coming back to haunt me, boys. I don't know. Uh, Happens to the best of us, mate. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me, to be fair. Those, those ghosts, I feel, might chase me for, for quite some time. It is Drive to Survive. We are playing for 50 bucks from our great mates at the TAB tonight. And we're going to start, well, we're going to start in Tolaga Bay or Auckland. But Ed is from Tolaga Bay. Ed, how are you, mate? Hey, hey, Beaver, how are you, man? Well, mate, it's it's a bit different without my sidekick. But I tell you what, we're, we're getting there. Oh, yeah, those other two aren't helping you uh, by the start of the day. <laughs> uh, they love playing with me. They love, because they know that I can, uh, I can get them on a few things. But when it comes to tech technical issues they have me covered so oh, yes oh yeah they're laughing at me through the uh through the video screen at the moment so we'll let those boys have their fun with me it's uh it's it's purely up to them uh but ed we are gonna get you 50 tonight i'm sure of it and we're gonna start we're gonna start with a game that i'm sure you may not have watched but you certainly would have heard the result about what was the score in the drawer Versus Crusaders game. Oh yes, um, 25-24. We are up and running with Ed 25-24 in that historic game in Fiji. Question two, that one. Which Super Rugby game had the biggest winning margin? Uh, was that the Rebels? Front left tires. Yeah, you can see it's starting to shred. No, it wasn't the Rebels. It wasn't the Rebels. Ed, hang around, mate. We may have to come back to you if these questions stump any more. We now go to Auckland. Simon, how are you, mate? 
Thank you. Tell me, Simon, can you tell us the answer for Your the chief, biggest... Sorry, mate. Chief. Your chief. It, it was the Chiefs. The Chiefs landers ended up kicking away a little bit there. Question three, lap one. How many tries did Friend of a Show and, according to J-Dog, future All Black, Sean Stevenson score in that particular game? It was two. We are flying here, Sean Stevenson, sitting atop of the try scoring charts of Super Rugby in 2023. Will he be sitting in a plane to Paris? Well, that is still to be decided, Jacob. So hold all tickets on that one. To the nearest 1,000, how many Breakers fans showed up in their win of Game 4 in the final series? Ooh, uh, was it nine? His engine has blown. It was not. So we now go to Zade, also in Auckland. Zade, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Can you tell me, to the nearest 1,000, how many Breakers fans showed up in their Game 4 Finals victory? I was there yesterday. It would be close to 10,000, about... I think 9,700, 9, they said. That's two ticks. That is two ticks. If only there was a bonus segment there, Zade. Sensation done. Yes, of course. Official crowd figure, 9,728 people showed up to roar the breakers into a decider in Sydney. And we cannot wait for that on game. Wednesday. Certainly was. And you Love can hear that. that decider from 8 p.m on wednesday night we have got all the coverage the build-up the reaction the celebrations of the breakers we cannot wait now we cannot wait for lap two here with zade lap two question one the wellington phoenix beats sydney fc at the garden of eden in front of a topless producer jacob what was the winning margin one nil oscar zawada yes friend of our producer Jacob Oscar was the man that got the job done. Lab two, question two. Name all four of the undefeated teams in the NRL after round two. Um, Broncos, Dolphins, Eagles, and that's it, isn't it? His engine has blown. His engine has blown. Wow. We're gonna go. Are we gonna go around again, or should we? Are we jackpotting? Let's know, boys. Let's jackpot. Let's that, jackpot. That was a toughie. It was a toughie, but I guess Zade is gonna kick himself when he sees where he got done. I won't say he got done on technicality, but you've got to just have a little bit of an open mind on that one. Uh, don't just look at the ladder to work out who's undefeated, one would say, because the ladder won't do you any favours, will it, Jacob? Exactly. There's uh, two teams in there that have played two games, and there's two teams in there that have played one game. Ah, gotcha. Mm. Gotcha. See how that works. Well, yes, come back tomorrow, Drive Survive, we'll be playing for 100. Who knows, we might even have Curse with us then. But uh, one thing we are looking forward to, is our next guest and our next interviewer 
interviewee, of course. We're lucky to have Stacey Jones all lined up. Well, we're very lucky now to be joined by Warriors assistant coach and Warriors legend, of course, Stacey Jones. Stacey, how are you, mate? Hey, Beaver. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Very good. Obviously, uh, not quite the result in the weekend, but I guess from uh, as far as building the season goes, Sydney Roosters are going to be one of the top teams come the end of it. It's not, not the worst uh, sort of performance, was it? No, it wasn't, but obviously uh, disappointed that we couldn't get the... Uh get the win that we were after. We had our opportunities um, uh, during the game um, and, we, and we just didn't take them. There's areas of the game that we we were disappointed in, um, but there were parts of the game that, that we really liked too. So obviously disappointed, but you know, pleasing that there was some, some good stuff to take away from the from the game. And obviously you would have reviewed uh, reviewed it all. And what are what those things? Obviously you, you mentioned the, the execution and, and key parts. Bit of a start as well, is a bit sluggish. Yeah, you're right there. The start was sluggish and it's probably um, been something that's happened. You know, even our trial games, we didn't get off to a good start. Our game against the Knights in Wellington, we didn't start well. And then, um, obviously, on, on Saturday, we, uh, you know, the first part of the game, we had no position of the footy because we made errors. So, well, we we toughed it out. And um, back into that, that first half, we sort of got, got ourselves back in the game. And then, Probably let it slip a little bit uh, midway through the the second half, but then found a way to um, get ourselves back on the scoreboard and put some pressure on. And you know, when you come up with errors, like when you don't get someone to dummy half, or you you drop the ball, you kick the ball dead. Um, you know, those things certainly hurt. But there were other parts of the game that we um, we needed to be better at. I thought, you know, our, our kick chase part of the game, we let Tedesco and Tupo and um, Paulo get have too much space. So um, that's an area where we need to be better at. Yeah, just mentioning a few of those names. As far as the defence goes, overall, how, how are we? Because, geez, there's some names in that uh, Roosters back division, isn't there? Oh, there certainly is, and we, we didn't contain them as well as we would have liked. Um, we did a job on them, but um, certainly we, we should have done better. But I thought um, our, our try line D was, was really good. You know, We showed some real resilience there, especially um, you know, not having a lot of football and, and you know having... Um, you know, the penalty count go against you, ruck infringements and and whatnot, um, not go your way. And our defence on the try line really got put under under the spotlight. But I thought for the majority of the boys um, did a really good job. And uh, I guess another another I guess step forward for for the halves. How do you think that new combination is uh, starting to gel? Yeah, look, I thought Sean had a really good game. Yeah. Um, Defensively, he probably is is one of his best performances. He you know he got targeted a lot, but he sort of certainly stood up. And um, you know his his kicking game, you know he really you know landed our kicks in, in good areas of the field. Um, yes, minor adjustments that we got to make, but I thought he was spot on with his kick game. Well, we probably we let him down with our our chase and 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 competing and contesting for the ball. Because when you look around, and obviously there's some big names, halves, partners, pairings around the competition, but they always seem to take a while to get going. How hard is it in the, in the league league game to get that seven and six combination firing? Is it just time? Yeah, yeah, it is time. Um, but, you know, we, the two blokes we got there, and, and Sean and, and Tamati are very experienced players there. They're international, so the, they won't take long to gel. Um, yeah. One is more of the uh, uh, the the director on the field. He's, he's he's on the ball all the time, and the other one, you know, um, 
just just compliments him, and, and that's what Tamari does. Tamari be the first one to put his hand up and said he, you know, was a little bit disappointed in his, in his performance. Tamari's game is based around all effort areas and and playing tough and and you know pushing pushing support, and he probably missed a couple of those assignments on the weekend. Um, but knowing Tamari, he'll, he'll bounce back. He was he was very good the week before. And talking about bouncing back, obviously, Cowboys this week in Townsville. How uh, how tough a gig's that one? Obviously, they'd be one of the favourite teams going into this year's competition. Came off a loss to the Broncos on Friday night. Yeah, they certainly are. Um, you know, one of the benchmark teams. The, the season they had last year, um, you know, was right up there. Probably, um, they'd probably be the first so disappointed not to make the grand final after the season they had. Um, but you know, they, they're a very tough team. Tough to play up there. Uh, but, you know, like I said at the start of this, we'll take some confidence out of what we did on the weekend and hopefully we can put together a better performance. And uh, coming up against a Cowboys team that got beaten by a good Broncos side on the weekend, they'll be they'll be desperate too. And uh, I guess as far as you go, Matty, enjoying not being the, the big the big boss this year of, <laughs> with Webster coming across, is it a nicer job for you or do you, do you miss the, the all-encompassing head coach job? No, I don't miss it at all. <laughs> Look, I really enjoyed last year. I took over, you know, halfway through the year, you know, when Nathan Brown left. So, but a little bit of a different feel where you sort of just go in there and not not too much pressure. But I certainly don't miss all the, uh, you know, the the things behind the scene that you have to deal with. So, Webby's doing a doing a really good job there, and um, you know, the, the players are certainly buying into to what he's doing. But yeah, certainly don't miss it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Is it fascinating, obviously, from from your angle, seeing someone like? Andrew Webster come in, obviously, is it glaringly obvious he's come from, a, I guess, a environment that's been at the top of the game as far as what he's bought? Obviously, seeing someone different? Yeah, yeah certainly. Um, yeah, I think with, with Webby, he, he was here for a couple of years, uh, about five or six years ago, and I was coaching our reserve grade team at the time, so yeah. I really know what he's about. So he knows the culture here, he knows the landscape, so he, that's the positive thing about it, and he's also come from a, from a club that's that's a um, very successful. So um, what he's bought so far, um, the energy he brings, you know, everyone seems to be buying into what he's doing. And, and uh, yeah, I'm loving, um, you know, working working uh, under him. Well, mate, is, uh, is Warriors fans all the best uh, for this weekend? Obviously not going to be an easy one in Townsville, but uh, the boys seem to be tracking right. So uh, all the best from us here at all of this NZ, mate. Cheers, Beaver. Thanks, mate. Yes, how good. Stacey Jones talking us through. You got the vibe. He's quite happy back in the assistant job, that's for sure, with the Warriors, didn't you, Jake? Yeah, I know. He's more comfortable uh, being the, the, the assistant. Uh, I, I agree. Less pressure on him, I suppose. Yeah, I guess there's so much more to it than just coaching when it comes to the head jobs of these uh, these big teams, these big professional teams. Uh, another, another update. And I tell you, I don't know if it's just the run home, but gee, we love a dramatic... <laughs> Dramatic take you, take you to the end of a day five of a test match involving this New Zealand team recently. We are now 79 runs short of the target of 200 and... What, was it, what did we start off at? 286 was the target to, to win today. And we're getting ever so close. There's only 10 overs or 12 overs left. So 79 off 12. We're down to a sort of a run of ball. Yeah. Uh, and Mitchell's just hit another six, Beef. Oh, he is feeling it today. Oh, bless him! I saw I saw something out of an Australian media 
publication a couple of days ago and it had Mitchell's stats up and it sort of said, is this the most underrated test cricketer in the world right now? Yeah, he's had a Mike Hussey type of career, hasn't he? I mean, you, you would compare Devin Conway to Mike Hussey uh, a couple of years ago, but yeah, I was looking at Div- um, Daryl Mitchell's stats when he was walking to the middle and he's averaging 58. That's incredible. It's definitely not made enough of. Obviously, that um, that spell over in Europe uh, last year bumped that average quite a bit, especially those innings against England. Um, but yeah, no, what a player! Absolutely, and it's a it's a good sign, I guess, that you don't have to retire if you don't make it by the age of twenty two, twenty three. He's he's been a slow burn. He's got his chance later in his career, and. He is just making every post a winner at the moment. Well, across all three forms of the game, it must be said too. Yeah, exactly. He's good. He's good with the white ball as well. I mean, I, I mean, I suppose Glenn Phillips sort of takes his role in the white ball side slightly, like in the in the batting order. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to see Glenn Phillips in this test side as well. I feel like he would add another dimension to this batting lineup. Well, it'd certainly be one that you'd want to come out now, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, on, these, on these day five last session uh, run chases yeah. that the boys are making specialties at the moment. Uh, so we'll keep you posted there. They are getting ever so close. So maybe another historic day in New Zealand cricket, only about a week after another historic day in the New Zealand cricket. Jacob, I don't know if I told you in Kez, uh, but my day today started with a trip to what used to be almost fantasy land for a youngster growing up, and that is Rainbow's End. Oh, Rainbow's End. Wow. wow. Yes. Did you go hard on the free fall or the, um, the roller coaster? Well, well, I mean, I haven't been there since, uh, you know, probably 15 or 16, which ha- you have turned Has it changed? Uh, it hasn't, it hasn't <laughs> overly changed, but I went to a part of it that I'd never been to. It's, it was called oh, the, yeah. uh, the Kingdom, which is where oh, okay. all the under eight. Your old, mm. uh, oh, I, I know the place. It's in the middle sort of area, right? Yes, it's, it's yeah. got to sort of bridges the um, initial part with the free fall, and that is, and then the roller coaster. Did and you do that? Coaster. Did you do that this morning, Beef? I did that this morning uh, for about wow. half, about ten o'clock. We were there, up to about one o'clock. It was the girl's fourth birthday today. Bit of a so, uh, oh, nice. Bit of a run home conspiracy. It was cursed there, and she just got motion sickness from the uh-huh. old rides. <laughs> <laughs> those those teacups that go around beef, they can pick up speed very fast if you're not careful. If they you've just uh, indulged in a Rainbow's End hot dog, you don't uh, want to be going at speeds of 12 kilometres around those teacups. i tell you what, talking about the Rainbow's End food, we sat down in, in the little kids section there and, and had a uh, sit-down lunch. I had a very fresh uh, bagel. Oh, Michelin star Best Rainbow's ugly. End, they say. Yeah, yeah well, that's what, that's what I was thinking. Um the kids had the hash brown stack, um, and the wife Sounds had delicious. The, wife had the prawn twisters. So wow. uh, a, lot, wow. a lot more than your just traditional hot dogs at Rainbow's in these days. So mm. Fantastic, but no, it's a sort of wonderful place for children. And I must say, they have a little eight-year-old roller coaster there, which had a, for the under eights, which had a little bit more zest to it than I thought it would. I know my young yeah. fella Jacko absolutely losing the gherkin on it in a happy way, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> He was and his very hands in pumped the air. up. Oh, hands in his ear like he just didn't care. He just didn't but, care. Yeah. But I was having a, I was having to hold him to make sure he wasn't having too much fun and and falling out of the uh, the seed ride. But no, yeah. they do a wonderful job there and uh, wonderful staff. Did you did you there. go on the log flume? 
No, because our kids wouldn't have been of height. So you can't, you can't like just sit, sit, uh, have the sit, like kids in no. front of you. Like you can't do that. Oh, okay. No, you can't. Vlog film was my always my absolute favourite of Rainbow's End. So yeah. I was hoping to get a little trip down memory lane, uh, mm. but not 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 the stage. I need to put a bit more height on the children before mm. that uh, that unfolds. But no, that that was my morning, lads. We'll do and, a work uh, trip. We'll do the run home Rainbow's End tour. We'll, we'll oh, do man, an we OB do, there. From we the, do from OBs the everywhere else. Yeah, we bloody yeah. should. Let's there go on at the uh, Rainbow's Inn. Why not? One disappointing thing about Rainbow's Inn, they got rid of that pirate ship. I, w- I went on there. <laughs> oh, I went yeah. to Rainbow's Inn for the first time when I was about 15 or something. And now I went on that. Tell you what, it is uh, it is sad seeing it gone, but um, a bit dodgy. Oh, yeah. A bit dodgy. But they've got, the something, fun. they've got something very similar there now. So I was like, why did you get rid of it? But it just shows how historical the Rainbow's End pirate ship is because uh, they've got like a memorial photo opportunity there. So my, my, my kids, wow. I'll, I'll, send you, I'll send you through the photo too. My kids had the uh, the photo and it had the years established and then yeah. it's deaf year. Is it? Is uh, it it's deaf year. It's passing. It's, gosh, it's passing. Pay your specs. Um, yeah. <laughs> How I'd like to know were those ages those um those numbers displayed between your years of living or did it surpass yes. surpass oh no surpassed really surpassed. wow yeah, it, was the, it, really it was is the seventies oh you know it's very old <laughs> it is yeah. old yeah it, it was probably due it was probably due to be put out in pasture much like uh, <laughs> Sid Sid host <laughs> who's that oh oh me or you oh uh, I was thinking you were meeting me yeah uh, no I was thinking you were meeting me. <laughs> Well, there's, there's possibly a chance here. Yeah, uh, yeah too right. We're going to have to talk about cream of the to- crop here. And uh, after the break, we have got still plenty to get through, including cream of the crop, the goldies, and so much more. For those following along, it's 220 for three, the Black Caps. There is 10.4 overs left. There is 65 runs to get. Yes, it's down to a runner ball. We've got King Kane batting with Prince Daryl, probably. Uh, son of a Mitch. As, son of a Mitch, of course. As uh, the analogies go, they are set. Williamson on 83 off 159. Daryl Mitchell on as good as a runner ball, 77. This is turning into some afternoon here on the run home. Jeez, they didn't start cricket until about, I don't know, I want to say... 3.30. 3.30. 3.30. Thank you, producer Jacob. Well, it's time for cream of a crop. And I know who cream of a crop is going to be next week if this job gets done. Well, it actually could be a very hotly contested field if you think the break is going to get it done too. But cream of a crop brought to you by Grain Cork Feeds, your trusted partner for quality summer dairy feed options. Well, cream of the crop, boys, if we go around the competitions, there's two for me in the Super Rugby for two very differing situations. You've got the Chiefs high-flying, three from three, 
very professional, workmanlike performance against the Highlanders, who have been struggling. Put them, put them to bed. Obviously, Highlanders showed a lot more, a lot more fight and spunk this week. But in the end, the Chiefs' class and quality of backs, I think, proved too much for them. But the undisputed Super Rugby cream had to be Vidrua. What a game, what a result. The Drua getting the job done. And I tell you what, we've, we've obviously, we all keep a very keen eye on the NRL. We love our Warriors. They couldn't quite get the job done against the Roosters, dare I say it. If they had, they would be very much part of the cream of a crop for your weekend. But from our eagle eyes here on the run home, the Broncos starting to shape as something pretty impressive in the NRL, boys. They are... Uh, this week's NRL member of the cream of the crop. Yeah, they're, they're a team seem to have. Um, they're just stacked with stars. I mean, all over the park, right? I mean, and the and the um, addition of of um, Reese Walsh as fullback. I mean, he re- it was a real coming out party for for Reese Walsh as a superstar, right? Reese Lightning. He certainly, Reece, he certainly put in a performance. Lightning. I saw something too again on social media, so we don't believe everything we we see there unless it comes from the Curse Demo account. But there was something saying that he's wouldn't be in the top ten paid fullbacks in the competition. I struggle to believe that. I don't. Th- I think that might be true. I mean, if if that's not true, he deserves a pay rise. That showing um, against uh, North Queensland definitely d- he deserves to be in the top ten. Top five, even. He um, is only twenty years old. Yeah, no, exactly. He, he is exactly. He's he's, a, he's at a young like he's only a he's only an evolving star. You know, he's he's at the start of his career. Yeah, absolutely. But when you think that he wouldn't have left the Warriors for nothing, and the Warriors would have, I'd say he'd have been a six or seven hundred thousand dollar player at the Warriors, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think so. Even even at that age, well, he'd have gone back to the Broncos for a, a smidgen more. I'd have thought. Wait, what, what, oh God, I really should know this, but I'm pretty sure that he signed for the Broncos for over a mil, right? Yeah. Well, so they, were, they were talking about it when he signed, yeah. I think. I don't know. But so it's, it's very tough to follow that one. But uh, certainly. Especially because they, they keep it under wraps, don't they, the salary salary cap? They do, but it seems to be that fairly common knowledge as far as how loose the media are over here and how able they are to get the information. But yes, the Broncos join the Chiefs and the Drew this week is our cream of the crop here on the run home. The Grain Corp feeds your partner for high-quality, dry and liquid summer dairy feed options supplying farmers nationwide. We'll talk to you more after this break. Of course, we've got the Goldies to decide and allocate those all-important five points. You're with the run home for the last time. On the Monday night with Beaver and the boys. Uh, who knows if it'll be the last time in general uh, because... Oh, it will be. It will be. <laughs> Is that the performance review you're giving I, it? No, uh, perf- my own performance review, I think. It was a, uh, abysmal, below average. Oh, <laughs> young harsh critic, young Jacob. That's mm. why I never come down too hard on young Jacob because I know internally no one's harder on himself. Like all the greats, uh, they are their mm. own harshest critic. Uh, but Jacob, don't beat yourself up too much. That's one of the mm. greatest compliments you've ever given me. Yeah. I'm just like the greats. 
Just beating myself up. Uh, up. Whoa. <laughs> up. Up. It's beating yourself up, young Jacob. Uh, cricket update, 231 for three. We need 54 off 8.3. I was just talking to Jacob in the ad break. We're not just doing this. We will do it in a canter. Kane Williamson on 89. Daryl Mitchell on 81. Two boys will get hundreds, and it will be one hell of a run chase completed. And a bit of a moody-looking Christchurch now. Apparently the weather was starting to look but but dusty, but uh, Jacob assures me we've got enough time for 8.3 overs. Before we leave you on your Monday, I've got to give you the goldies for the week. And without any further ado, we have gone Hosking Satudu at the five points. We have gone the 13 mace from the Drua. Couldn't ignore a Drua player, and he, in my eyes, was their shining light. There was plenty of heroes there that day, but he was the one that they went to when they needed something. Sean Stevenson gets three points. Sam Kane gets two points. And Pet Luckite sneaks in. The young superstar on the way up will sneak in with one point for the Goldies that will continue to captivate a rugby nation uh, as Super Rugby evolves. It'll be must must follow. Uh, boys, before we go, uh, some big results coming from up north over the weekend as far as the Six Nations go. A, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've just been interrupted by some news. Yes. He, um, uh, he may have hmm. just chopped on Daryl Mitchell. Yeah, can no, we, it can is, we appeal that? Yes. Can we refer that? No, refer I'm afraid um, <laughs> <laughs> the pails have come off clean, babe. You can't refer that. Okay. Bold by Cetha, uh Daryl Mitchell goes for 81 off 86. What a knock. What well a knock. Darryl. Really is. Well done, yeah, Daryl. So who are we checking out now, boys? Are Blundell. we going to put it? Blundell. Mate, he, he can do this too. I thought we might check out... Um, Mitch, uh, Michael Bracewell. Bra- Bracewell. A yeah. known hitter. No, no. We need uh, we need the tried and tested, I reckon. He's a, he's a, good, he's a good finisher at Blundell. So, um, I mean, to support Kane Williamson on 90, he's yes. been out there all day. Well, since 3.30. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, no, I think, I think we can still do this, Beef. 53 well, win. You know, you know why we're all in on this, Jacob? Because we're literally all in on it. Oh, we are. Uh, yeah, both from our hearts and our TAB accounts. Um, <laughs> back to the chat before uh, a FIFA, Fernando, so rudely interrupted me by getting Mitchell to chop one onto his stumps. Uh, the Six Nations over the weekend, boys, a result that you never thought possible. England, your guys' team. Um, obviously, both <laughs> proud Englishmen, the way the you guys carried team. on. Well, you guys carried on when the English cricket team were here. Uh, you guys must be absolutely really, really rolling over and hurting at the moment we're, because yeah. Twickenham, the fortress, got 50-odd put on it. Yeah, we were really down in the dumps this morning, Beef. I mean, just Boy, your arch enemies too, the French. Hey? Yeah, I know, by the garlics. God, can't yes. believe it. Uh, there, was, there was not much bite in Le Crunch, as they like to call it. Uh, <laughs> some would say. Fever after that performance, are you still holding your uh, grudge against France going into the World Cup? Putting up against, I uh, know oh it was, what, uh, four years ago now that England were World Cup finalists. Yes. But getting battered like that by the French, surely that... Uh, Bring back Eddie. Has you shaken in your boots as a, as a non-French supporter at all? Uh, I'm not a non-French supporter. I just am not convinced that they're going to be at the top table when it comes to this World Cup coming forward. I know a lot of you... 
uh, fair weather fans, and I know there's two sitting in that producer booth because the way you come in on come in and out of my black caps, um, you suggest that whatever's fashionable at the time is uh, who you support. But the French, I know, are fashionable to get on board them at the moment. I just don't see them coping with uh, everything that that World Cup's going to throw at them. Um, but as I say, putting 50 on England at Twickenham, it either says England are an absolute basket case or the Frenchies maybe are building very, very nicely, boys. Yeah, you're right. I mean, French go and do that, but I'll tell you what, they don't have the win streak uh, like another team on Six Nations that took on over the weekend, I believe. Uh, the wonderful Jacob told us it was the 14th time. Is that correct? With 13th out of 14 tries, I think. With the Irish. Yeah, Ireland beating us, their, their fierce rivals. Um, 22-7, that score was. Scotland. Ireland taking down Scotland. Uh, Scotland had sort of been looking on the hot speed. If, if we're looking at the Six Nations, I mean, it's one of the closest uh, in terms of quality that we've seen in a wee while. How about Ireland for you? Just quickly before we wrap up here. Well, I've told you, I don't see them getting out of pool. No, well. What? Uh, quarterfinals. God, quarterfinals you, for me. Who, who's going to make your semis? Well, the quarterfinalists, there's going to be New Zealand playing Ireland or New Zealand playing South Africa and France playing Ireland and France playing South Africa. Therefore, two of those four are going home. You're I back see in Ireland. the Southern Hemisphere and in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Well, it's going to be balmy conditions in September in Paris. 